foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Well, hey there, welcome to the Katie Says Podcast. This is the second in a series of special episodes we're calling Between the Lines, in which Katie Bowman and Stephanie Domek explore the deeper messages in and connections between Katie's books. I'm Katie Bowman. Probably you've guessed that by now. Author of a lot of books, but Move Your DNA, right, would be the most popular one, probably. And I'm Stephanie Domet, a chronically curious writer and radio journalist. Just picking up a little on what Danny Hammett has been throwing down. <laughs> right, exactly. That's good. She's she's thrown down a lot. She's, she's she a good is. person to pick up those after. Are some, those are some big minimal shoes to fill, so. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Um, and Katie, this week, I really want to explore an idea that you tossed into some of our earliest conversations about working on these kind of book club podcasts. You said to me in a kind of off-the-cuff way that your books, Alignment Matters and Movement Matters, kind of represent all the books you write and that your audience tends to lean Alignment Matters or Movement Matters. Yeah. 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 I would like Alignment Matters and Movement Matters are... I, I don't want to say categories, but I, I feel like, you know, and, and it's obviously a generalization because I haven't met everyone who's read or listened <laughs> to everything that I've ever put out. But in general, there seems to be maybe two general categories of readers. The first one would be kind of already experienced movers who who have enjoyed the refinement of that classic kind of beginning or intro to alignment where you're considering where your toes are and where your knees are, the real, the, 
subtle and maybe not so subtle adjustments and rotations. They maybe have an interest in in that physics part of the, you know, or the geometry part. Where are your, where's your rib cage? You know, so Alignment Matters has a lot of that. It's that introductory book that's like, where's your head? You know, and, you know, <sighs> can you pull your head back over your shoulders? And the idea that so it's, maybe it's not even only experienced movers, because I would say a lot of people who were not experienced movers came to my work through Alignment Matters, which was the angle of my pelvis, my pelvic tilt, you know, and not don't sit on your sacrum that you can adjust. So it's not even necessarily exercisers, although I find that a lot more people are into alignment who are already in the exercise world. Then there was this other idea of like subtle adjustments of your own body relative to your own body. That's one group of of people. And they're and they're working through their movement through that lens of always really considering how many parts that they have, all these adjustable parts and and how for each exercise that they do, where should those be? What you know, what are the different outcomes? Like is this way better for my back or this way? You know, what exactly does a neutral pelvis, how is that defined? You know, like that kind of technicality over part position. Yeah. Then there's the another group of people who I think were who move a lot whether they're ranchers or farmers, they are maybe doing these really large movement feats, very powerful moves. I mean, I think of like maybe parkour mm. or, you know, some of the larger feats of movement, right? Like they're, they're doing these like incredible, incredible things. And there's a, there's a large group of people who've always moved a ton. And they, I think, have maybe come through, I mean, certainly some have come through alignment matters, but I think that movement matters is like this other idea of like, oh, I need more movement in my life. They're not thinking about where their elbows and shoulders and knees and hips are during that movement. Hmm. But the idea of I'm going to walk to the store instead of driving, I'm going to get rid of my furniture, you know, like these larger yeah. ideas, they they enter the work through that. So they're not necessarily thinking about the refinement of body position as much as they are thinking about infusing movement into their life. Then there's an, another group who has entered more through not necessarily moving a ton more, but really, really refining the movements that they already are doing. And of course, everyone's working towards expanding. So like in general, it seems that that people are coming either through the alignment matters portal and and all it's all alignment. That's the thing. But they're going to come mm-hmm. through that book, that alignment matters portal, or they're going to come through the movement matters. Like, oh, I'm going to move more for my own stuff. I'm going to start grinding my coffee, you know, and all these things. Where my ultimate goal would be for everyone to be maybe grinding their own coffee, but also maybe considering their shoulder position while they do it. Right. The, right. the intersection of those two things, which is, I wrote a blog post on this a long a long time ago. It was a state, I used to write every year a state of the union of my blog or a state of my blog in 2014, my blog in 2015. Right. So if you want to go back, we can find this one. But if what I would want to tell the, the Movement Matters people is that to your large volume of movement that you're working to cultivate, there is some refinement that might get you towards your end goal. Mm. It might allow you to hit that direct target a little bit more easily. Because, I, you know, I get a lot of people who will say, I've been barefoot my entire life. Like, they didn't need to read Whole Body Barefoot. Right. They, they've always been barefoot. 
yet they will have some of the same conditions as the person who's worn the shoe their entire life, who is like, I just started spreading my toes and lifting my toes. I'm not ready to go barefoot quite yet. Or yeah. or they haven't lived 40 years of barefoot. So then there's information for both of those groups of people. It's like, yes, well, the alignment, the more refined position of your body, if barefoot's the only thing that you did, but you still were sitting quite a bit or you still have these positional habits or these weaknesses or these strengths, that's going to load that one spot kind of in the same way as if you wore a shoe the whole entire time. So I, I'm, I think I tend to be more towards the alignment interest initially. That's why I went into biomechanics. So I had that toolbox. However, my interest in movement overall realized, oh, I need both. I need both pieces. You, you, right. you can't really get to understand movement as a science, as a, as a phenomenon without broadening past the alignment, the very narrow body position relative to body position. You have to think about a greater context. So I wish to infuse more nitpicky alignment into the movement matters group. And also the alignment matters group oftentimes has difficulty actually really, really significantly increasing their total number of minutes, Mm -hmm. meaning it's very easy. Biomechanics can be really heady. You know, working with tiny body parts can be so thrilling that you go deeper, meaning for that one exercise that you're doing, you can keep adding more and more body parts to pay attention to, but you never really move beyond that one exercise that you were doing it in. So you're, you're moving more in the sense that you're considering more of your parts, but the frequency of your movement isn't radically increasing. So I wish to infuse in that group more of the movement matters principles so they can understand like here's the aspects of movement and that movement science of why you really do need to be moving more outside that exercise or alignment session into the movement matters group it's like you're moving a ton but did you know that you have got like these really old compensation patterns and the way that you're moving through your high frequency is actually reinforcing this one particular shape and if you could just tweak this little thing it would be different so that's Hmm. That's why they need to be integrated. So it is really that move more and move more of you right. together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's go a little deeper into Alignment Matters. Now, this was your second book. This came mm-hmm. right after Every Woman's Guide to Foot Pain Relief, which recently was revised and, and reissued as Simple Steps to Foot Pain Relief. Uh, Alignment Matters was a, a compendium of the first five years of your blog. Yeah. Yeah, why why did you want to take those blog posts and <laughs> compile them in, in an organized way? Why would everyone want to do that? Why would you do something like that, Katie? I know, such a strange thing. Well, I wrote a ton. I was very productive between 2007 and 2011, right? Those were before I had kids. And I mean, I, I mean, arguably, I'm still productive. But as far productive. as I'm pretty darn productive, but I, I had fleshed out so much. I mean, there was a point where I was blogging every single day. And, you know, the blogs aren't, they're not spectacular per se. I always find that there's a spectacular nugget kind of buried under like crappy writing and like way crappy drawings and picture, you know, fast pictures. (laughs) I'm not, because to me, it was more like the container, you know, when I give a gift, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like the stuff it in a pillowcase paper bag kind of person. I don't, wrap things beautifully and add you're not curling the ribbon it. no it's not my it's not my personality because I was like there's so much and, and and I've recognized now that 
the beauty of something is for many people, as we talked about before, it's that key, it's that portal where mm-hmm. if it's not beautiful, they can't even receive the gift. Right. And that's fine. It just, it means that it's going to be a lot harder for you to extract information from me. They're like, when are you going to redo this? So it's high, better quality. I was like, never, I've, that, never. It's that never nugget is there, that nugget is there. So you, you can choose to accept it a crappy, a great gift in a crappy bag, or you can just realize that you appreciate the the wrapping of things. And both of those things are fine, but it's going to be a, a difficult time wading through. So I would say that I grew in terms of my reach significantly over 2007 and 2011. And, you know, the questions mm-hmm. and the emails started coming. And I just realized that a lot of people weren't like me going back and reading through blog archives. You know, they would be pulled to a single article that was great. And they're like, wonderful. I want more of this. And then they would just have questions without really knowing that you could go back and just read all the archives of a blog that, you know, oftentimes you can just work through other people's work to find it. And it was just not happening easily. And then, you know, I was looking at my own body of work and going, wow, this is robust. And it's hard because I'm writing things as I integrate an idea. Like I have an idea, I connect two pieces and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I'm going to write this down, right? Like my blog has always been blurting. It's basically like blurting <laughs> out like any thought that I have. <laughs> ah! And I would put it down. Or sometimes, I remember one time I was walking by, I was on the ferry and someone had drilled to the top of their car. They had made, <laughs> they had made like a camping, uh, you know, those plastic tubs that people have professionally connected and installed to the top of their yeah. roof or camping or gear or whatever. Someone had made one of those out of wood. It was just a wood box that they had bolted to the top of their <gasps> car. And I and I could see, and I was just taking a picture of it as I walked by, and I was like, well, there's a stress riser. This is a really good example of when someone has an artificial joint at the interface between when you've introduced a cut into the hood of your roof, right? You So now it's, it's stronger as a continuous material than when you drill a hole through it. And then when you bolt something right. to it, that is the wind is going to press against that thing on top now. And and where as that, as that wood, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I should try to drag <laughs> up the picture somehow for, so everyone can really enjoy what I'm trying to describe. As, <laughs> as the wind was pushing against the wood, box on the top. I mean, there was not even any extra straps or anything to reduce. It's going to create a a lift. It's going to be pushed by the wind. And that's going to be like constantly prying that wood box away from the car. And it's connected and that's fine. But the point at which that prying is working is at that where the joints, where, where where the bolts are connected to the metal roof of the car. And you could see the metal roof of the car starting to be thinned and pulled away. And I, and I just, I just do a blog about that. I would take a picture and I would just write a blog about that. I use so many non body examples to talk about the body, which is, I think what, what alignment matters is really great. It's really heavy in, which is you can, you, you already have so much understanding of physics and complex systems because you live in one it's just that no one ever huh. told you, like, if you go and you look at that thing, you're going to go, oh, you don't have to be an engineer to be like, that's like wearing that down. But you wouldn't, like, for some reason, we have these different perceptions of how our bodies are and how they work. And so Alignment Matters was just, I thought, because there were so many examples of that and there were so many 
articles. I mean, that book, I have it right here. Hold on. <laughs> this book is, is the <laughs> densest book of all the books, right? It's 400 yeah. and almost 450 pages. And I just thought, well, that's a kind of a, a fun primer. And it was written in short blog posts, essays, which I like. I like short stories. Yeah. So I thought this is a really great non-overwhelming like if I, if you someone plopped down a 450 page biomechanics book and this idea that how you moved was affecting your health and and that you could make these subtle adjustments and how to think about measuring like there's so many topics in there if someone plopped it down and it was like one long book it would be barely accessible to anyone only the truest right. of body alignment nerds would even have the context to like wade through it but i thought this was a this is an abundant amount of work and I'm going to compile it, organize it, right? Because I didn't write anything in order. Yeah. You didn't do like these two weeks, I'm just going to write about no. your pelvis. You wrote about what occurred to you to write about all kind of out of order. So it's totally out of order. And sometimes I write complex things first and then I'll go back and refine the simple thing later. And sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you <sighs> the simple thing first. Right. And if you're reading an article, you'd be like, I imagine for me, I just, I, as for me, I see my entire blog as a single body of work. You know, you can't, huh. you, you can't, you know, people, I was just reading it on Twitter the other day. Someone had tweeted a sentence and like they were attacked or like, well, you didn't include this or you didn't include that. It's like, I get 140, <laughs> ca- you know, there's 140 characters. Like when you're writing a blog, you have to leave, you're, you are leaving things out all of the time. Every time you have a conversation, every time you put pen to paper, yeah. every time you type anything out, you have removed almost everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, editing is going on 100% of the time and just in everything. Yeah, whether you have an external editor or oh, not. Oh, sure. If you call, if you talk yeah, to... communicating ideas is an inexact Well, but science. I mean, I'm even talking about like if, if I talk to my mom on the phone and she's, how's your day? The one thing that I choose to say, I've left out all of the actual things that what my day entailed, right? Like, right. So that is that is an, a necessity. But as a body, you know, so people would read one or two articles and they have questions, and I'd be like, go back and read the blog. But that's kind of a, a ridiculous request. Like, who's going to go read a blog? But <laughs> go read the book. That's a little bit easier. And I thought, well, we can take some time to edit it because you know, blurting comes with kind of charbled. <laughs> It's not it's not overly edited. I would of course would love to rewrite everything because I would write it entirely in an entirely different way. However, uh, Penelope, our editor, she was just like, no, it really she's like it's it's compelling as it is. It's very accessible as mm. it is. You want to edit it to tighten it to reflect, you know, more technicality. But then what happens is less people are able to access the information. And so this kind of casual way or the details are you know, where you're often light on details or whatever, that means that more people can actually go, maybe I can back my hips up, which is in the end, all that I really ask mm. needing people to do, you know, so. Right. It's an accessible on-ramp for, for anybody who's interested. Yeah. But as my husband says, it's dense. It's yeah. like, I find that like almost anyone would find it accessible. And even to, you know, maybe the more academic or trained person who reads it, they'd be like, oh, I never thought of that. Because, it's multi, everything that I do is multidisciplinarian in nature because I mm. am just a, a student of everything, not really one particular set of information. So I tend to tie in different sciences, different perspectives, and then just different, not a lot of non-physical examples 
I think it's just, I think it's just a great, yeah, on-ramp is a really good word because you can come in and you're like building speed as you go through it. And by the time you're done, you're like, okay, I'm ready. Like, what's the next thing? Yeah. Totally. And it is chock-a-block with your trademark crappy drums. Oh, I mean, like those are free. Like those are bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's gravy. And a lot of times it's not even crappy drawings. It's like bad photos, like through a dirty yeah. lens of a crappy drawing. So just so you know... <laughs> It's going to be a gift in a in a wadded, oil-stained paper bag. But isn't it the gift that counts? I mean, they say it's just the thought that counts. You don't even That's what they say. The gift, so That's what they say. But you'd be surprised how we like doilies. <laughs> we like the ribbon. All right. Well, besides, uh, you know, the sort of curled ribbon and doilies, what, what do you think Alignment <laughs> Matters doesn't offer? Oh, oh, well, Alignment Matters doesn't offer oh gosh that's a good question i think that alignment matters offers it it can tend to reinforce an ultimate right or wrong way to use your body Hmm. so in that way it's not offering although it is like when you go back and read it with a different point of view you will see my nods to those things it's just that like I feel like you have to teach alignment first and then the broader movement second, even though as a child grows up, it's going to be the other way around. Like those those physical position refinements come from copious amounts of movement. But by the time you're already, you know, you've already adapted and are heavy and are older and have these like ingrained habits, it's easier, I think, to identify the smaller movement habits and then work on those as you kind of eke out into a larger one. Mm -hmm. So there's not a ton of like movement ecology, although, although it is, although it is, it's there. It's just that the, the focus is on, on the alignment part, but it does. I think it tends to, if you only read that exclusively, you would come away with like, I'm supposed to have my bones in these positions all of the time. Yeah. Mentality, which, you know, then gets expanded upon in the move your DNA and then movement matters. Yeah. Let's talk about movement matters because the the conception of this book predates my experience with you. But as I understand it, it was supposed to be kind of a companion piece to alignment matters, right? A compendium of the next five years of your blog? Yeah, not maybe not quite five years, but yeah. So this next level of you know, you you write a lot, and I, I said as much in the beginning of Movement Matters, you write a lot, and then you get a lot of questions, and then you're like, oh, that's a good question, because I can see how I could have made a better word choice here that would be more clarifying. And then you go, okay, well, maybe I didn't think about this one particular thing all the way through. So I started to think at the next scale, mm-hmm. right? I, I was looking at movement through a, a broader perspective and had done that over a few years. So there were all these blogs they were fundamentally different in some ways than the where are your head, where are your hips, where are your knees blogs, mm. which are make up Alignment Matters. Although Alignment Matters, again, has a lot more than just that. But those tend to be, I think, what we see when we read Movement Matters. You could read Movement Matters and then go back and read Alignment Matters and you would find that there's a lot of that stuff already in there. Mm. So I thought, well, this would be kind of cool. It's You know, Alignment Matters has a lot of exercises and adjustments and measures and like really practical things as far as 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 far as that kind of smaller version of alignment is concerned. 
when you go to Movement Matters or the the essay, the blogs that I was writing from that point, there weren't a lot of exercises in them. So I originally thought, well, I could do, there was so many of them that I felt were like this next step that we could put them into another book. Because again, I think that people prefer to read books more so than blogs. Mm. But it just wasn't, they weren't gelling because <laughs> I, they, they were blurts. And I think my time for blurting got a lot less, right? I started having kids and, and then was, you know, writing and working on these other books and things. I didn't write a blog a day. If I had written a blog every day, this next level of stuff, it might have worked better as a compendium because there was a, too many holes because I was thinking of everything, but as far as what was making it through, the blog was like a 20%. Right. So it just wasn't, everything needed to end up being <laughs> expanded or rewritten or combined. And so it never, it didn't actually make it into, it wasn't a book of blog posts anymore. Yeah. You know, a lot of writers will will tell you that they taught themselves to to write their book by by writing it. That's pretty much how that goes. But I feel like you were learning a lot more than that when you were writing Movement Matters. Can you talk about the way kind of you changed in the writing of that book? I have definitely learned how to write better by writing. And actually, it was challenging when I sat down to write Move Your DNA, which is in between Alignment Matters and Movement Matters. I had only really been an, a blogger, an mm. essayist. That's a different skill, as yeah. you know, yeah. writing, you know, writing books to to write like to go. I, I I have to teach you this one idea and expand it over the book. And I didn't I didn't really know how to do that. My move your DNA was tough for me, but I had transitioned into a book writer. And then I had written a few books uh, bef- from move your DNA. So it got easier and easier for me to write in book form when I had to revert back to writing essays Oh, it became challenging again because I was like, I I could just go on and on and on. Like your ability to edit and, and leave like and create really powerful single sentences that replace paragraphs. That's that's a, a that's challenging. So there was that transformation also in movement matters. Movement matters required me to drill down my own knowledge on the subject a little bit more. And I know that journalists probably do this quite a bit, like you're researching. If you're going to write a book about, you know, the how McDonald's got started, there's quite a bit of research, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do a ton of research to gather all of those. A lot of books are written by journalists who are telling a story of this, an event or a phenomenon or whatever, and they're, yeah. they're researching it. Movement Matters, those books... That book, a lot of my books are on things, on ideas that are are not fleshed out yet. Yeah. Meaning I'm not doing research and that I'm going to go ask 12 people how they remember that, you know, this summer of 1942, or I can't go back and look at records to look at dates or whatever. I just have to sit there. I, I'm actually synthesizing ideas that haven't been at least documented before where you could just read them very easily right i'm actually having to think like think through the model all the way to the end like i'm doing that work first and so i would hit places in writing where it wasn't writing that was the problem it was that i couldn't i my model had not expanded to a particular point which then would send me 
you know, into doing three days of, of research to help me synthesize an idea going, oh, okay, well then I need to go review all of the ecology models that are used for like things totally outside of my field to see are humans listed anywhere around here? You know, like I was <laughs> doing that work. So it was almost like doing academic work while I was writing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's nothing. That's Ugh. not a big it deal. It was a ton. And, and also as I, you know, as you're becoming more aware of the ideas, like Movement Matters is a big call to action book. And then, you know, I'm talking about sedentarism and I'm talking about, I'm really talking about the way we use our words as far as language is concerned, nature language and how, you know, I'm sitting here inside my house looking at the tree right now and going like, I'm, I'm like separated. I'm talking on a podcast about being parsed from nature and I'm looking through a window at my tree. And I like the cognitive dissonance was almost was overwhelming during that book. And so like, I found myself needing to go, well, then I have to go camping for three or four days. Like I had to actually integrate <laughs> myself more and more into nature to be able to understand the complexity of the issue. Like I had to actually change my personal culture, my living culture, my lifestyle to gather the perspective of that from the outside. Like I could kind of get a glimpse of it from the inside because I started writing it on the inside, but I was definitely transformed by that book in the same way that there was just a National Geographic Instagram post where they posted the picture of some tree climbing, hunter gathering population's mm. feet. Did you see that? Yeah. And so they just posted this amazing picture. So these feet are, are you know, their feet, just like your feet and my feet, but they're also tools. I don't have to use my foot as Except a tool. totally not like my feet. <laughs> Except absolutely not like them at all. Like they are... They are tools yeah. like and so they look while that while you can recognize them as the same structure, you can clearly identify it as these are totally different feet yeah. than mine. But if you read through the comments of the those comments are just about horrible, disgusting, mm-hmm. you know, like they are they are from a particular culture of those look like sick. Those are gross. Ill yeah. feet, right? Because their feet are normalized to them, their feet, you know, that have a, a particular function and a state of health as a collective, you know who have these feet in this category versus those feet over there. So for the people who've already read whole body barefoot and simple steps to foot pain and move your body and move your DNA and natural movement are like, they didn't have that reaction. They were already outside of the, here's what feet are supposed to look like and do and be protected culture because they themselves had been going barefoot. You can kind of understand it in theory, but until you do it, then you're like, oh, I understand even more because I've had to actually do that with this body part. And so the fur, the more you get in line with the behavior that you're writing about, the easier it is to see just w- the issues that we're talking about. So movement matters. I stepped way outside. I mean, I was I already felt like I was way outside, you know, my culture in a lot of different ways. But I'm, I'm not barely. I'm 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 just. I'm just hanging on someone's arm, maybe leaning my ear out a little bit. But I was able to go a little bit farther and go, oh, okay. But it's changed me permanently. I can't go back. I don't want to go back. Like I I like this, I like this larger perspective. And and the and the these more robust set of behaviors. Yeah. There was no way movement matters was gonna be a compendium of blog posts. It just couldn't be. <laughs> So some people come to you because they're generally interested in alignment and some come because they're generally interested in in movement. Can you say a little more about why the alignment people should dabble in 
and more movement and why the movement people might want to dabble more in alignment? So I've been, if you've noticed, I've been trying to use my word choice when I say, I, I hate to constantly reinforce the idea that alignment is where your elbows and shoulders and knees and hips mm. are. Alignment is how you move your body as a whole. So, and I've used this alignment with the car understanding, you know, there's not like when you go get the alignment fixed with your car, the person who's adjusting your car, your wheel alignment has to consider the context in which you're doing the moving. And there is not a shape for your wheels that is best. There is an orientation that's more, that's advantageous to, you know, the pressure that's in your tires. If you're going to go off-roading, on-roading, the speeds, the traction, the friction, all of those things are taken into consideration. Yet it's a lot easier for us to continue to think about alignment as just are my wheels pointing to the right or to the left, one to the right, one to the left, because that's that easy. That's where you first get a sense of it, right? Like if you were totally unaware that your body had a shape mm. to it when it was moving, that was malleable. We start with look down at your feet. Do they look like the tires on your car or is one pointing out? Would you drive that car? No, you would understand that like that. It would not be advantageous to continue to drive your car if your right wheel pointed more to the right than your left wheel. Mm. We start there, but then, you know, we go more and more. It's like, well, you know, barefoot, people say barefoot is best. It's like, well, what kind of terrain are you on? Because all those are different outcomes. How many miles do you log? What is your form as you log those miles? How much do you sit when you're not logging those miles? Like we've, we've continuously expanded the number of variables that we're considering when we're considering your quote alignment, yet it's easiest to just continuously go back to the where are my feet pointing as the sole as the sole parameter of what alignment is. So if you're going to make the argument of something being, you know, one alignment better than another, it has to refer back to something that you're comparing it to. There has to be a set, if you will, a set around, and that will probably make most sense to math, math-minded folks, but Anytime you solve a problem, you can always find an example, usually that's, you know, a complete outlier, but an example still exists where this one particular thing is false. So then you have to set a set of conditions around in which, like, you have to set the conditions in which this thing holds up. So when you're talking about body alignment and about, like, the benefit of one position relative to the other, it often stops, I've seen, as because this is just the best one. This is good. This is bad. No no referral to anything else. And then it could be a little bit more like, well, this takes the pressure off of that. And this puts the pressure mm. on that. Okay. But is that only if we're standing in this one position? Because should I take the same orientation when I'm lying on my back? Because then it seems like those two things wouldn't hold up. So as you build a more complex model, you you will find that the truths of the smaller model tend to go away. And so if you stay within that very narrow mindset of alignment, and and especially if you're saying, here's how movement works, and that's why this body part has to go here. It's like, well, are you familiar with Nietzsche? Yeah. Do you know, like you guys have coffee together? You and oh, yeah. So Nietzsche, go way back, me and him. <laughs> so my sister-in-law is a philosopher. And so, you know, and talking about some of these things, she's like, oh, well, that's what Nietzsche 
is basically all about. Nietzsche is saying, and for anyone who doesn't know, he's a, a philosopher. Yeah. You can Wikipedia and quickly get up to speed on everything that's there. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, the show notes to like link to Nietzsche. That's an appropriate use of the show notes. Exactly. <laughs> How big you choose to think about something is an indication of really where you're willing to go with your own personal behavior. Uh-huh. It would say, I think, more that allows you to do what you want to do. Uh-huh. So if you keep asking questions, you know, if you ever had kids, they keep asking you questions and you go deeper and deeper and then finally like, okay, I can't, I can't think anymore, right? Like there's a point in which your model stops expanding and that point for you relates to you and what you can handle probably, you know, or I mean, I don't know exactly what the mechanism is, but he was just basically saying like, you just choose to stop thinking about it beyond a particular point and that that's just, that's just because you, we just all want to do what we want to do. So, right. so alignment, good alignment has to include all of the principles of movement matters, right? In terms of the frequencies and the quantities and, you know, I can, I can increase the set of alignment all the way to the planet. And that's what I did in movement matters is I just made a very large set where a lot of the truths around the smaller point of alignment don't hold up. As you get into a larger and larger and larger model, I mean, that's when exercise is what we need falls away. Like that was that was stripped down pretty quickly. Yeah. In a movement matters like you don't need exercise exercises. These are all cult, these are all sets or, or conditions that are put on a sedentary culture. And and to say that you don't need exercise, you know, that's like huge. It's a huge but only within a culture. But then you have to clarify, well, you do need movement. And here is or here are the, you know, the quantities of movement, or here's the costs of you not getting the quantities of movement. And so it just kind of quickly went outside of the field of exercise science, or even the biomechanics into other fields, because again, threads of science are also artificially parsed based on a system of like, you only are giving a certain amount of years to learn something. So Mm -hmm. we're going to pull out all this other education about things that relate to your thing and you're just going to get one, but then you're back to that phone call with your mom where you how was your day? It was fine. You've left out quite a bit of things of your day. So our academic threads are often like that tiny tidbits. And of course, the farther that go, you go, the more you get them. But then sometimes the more you get, they're more on a deeper level. They're not necessarily integrated or expanding back into other threads. So to me, that's why to round back to your question 47 minutes later, <laughs> That's why movement matters. The integration of it's not so much that one needs the other and they need both is that if you're going to talk about movement and the human's need for movement, all of these details matter. If you're just saying humans need movement, it sounds a lot like humans need to eat. Well, we know that. And Mm -hmm. then the nutritionist will say, well, you don't only need to eat. Here's all these nuts and bolts within your food that you need. So to me, the alignment community is really kind of like the nutrient-centric community. They've got kind of some of the nuts and bolts, but they might not understand the me- how to design an all-day, all-life meal plan. Where does the food come? Where's the grocery store? You know, like the things, they've, they've got the fact that your, your hands, the way that they're moving is, is leaving some of you unnourished, but maybe they don't know quite how to get more food if you will right. so it's yeah. just it's just that that's what's that's what's going on so i'm trying to my next book yeah is 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 hopefully the integration of both of those ideas all together where it's like 
here and and I try to do that, try to do that with movie or DNA, but I think because Movement Matters wasn't born yet, yes. there's a, there's a lot of uh, things about other variables that maybe were introduced in a little you know a couple of sentences here or there, but not really expanded. So I will do my first book to integrate alignment matters, movie or DNA, and and movement matters. Movement matters all into one thing to go like here's here's as close to a giant ball as I can hand as I can hand you. But reading Alignment Matters first will really help. You know, like okay. to read all those books separately by their own. It's not like one replace it. One doesn't replace the other. There's just no, so much like going on in my day. Yeah. What's that? It's like a further evolution and expansion of your thinking on these things. There's a to me a clear through line through all the books. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not only like it's it's not so much an evolution or an expansion of my thinking. It's just, it's more in my, in the writing, you know, like Mm. if I wrote this integration book of all three, again, I don't know how accessible it will be because it requires that you step quite far out of the current culture. So for me, alignment matters and simple steps to foot pain relief are very gentle. They're very gentle nudges to get you to consider one tiny aspect of your life that hardly matters to anyone else. Right. Where it's a very safe place to start going, oh, I didn't know that I wasn't moving that. And I didn't know that me not moving that was preferred by everyone around me. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I actually think that going through that process of the gentle nudges makes when you read the bigger nudges, they it makes them more accessible to you because there's not like a big shudder in the earth. And then again, just like some people like things packaged with bows, some people like things packed with punch and they can't hear the gentle, right? They can only hear the punches. So that's why there's so many keys. But I am trying to just, you know, for people asking like, where do I start? Oh, it matters is still, it's still a great way to kind of just gently get yourself moving. Yeah. Well, let's let's really bring this conversation about these two books, about alignment matters and, and movement matters to life. Uh, we've been endeavoring to to include at least one move in mm-hmm. in every conversation that we have. So I'm hoping that you will leave us with a a move to chew on something that connects alignment matters to movement matters. I can think of a couple things. So head ramping, yeah, is a is a big move in alignment matters. You'll see it actually a few times, I think. And so you know, if you're on your phone right now. Or if you're on your computer, although maybe a lot of people are out walking because they're listening to the podcast, but your head tends to go way out in front of your body. And head ramping is one of our corrective exercises. It's an alignment adjustment where you're going to slide your you're going to slide your chin back, and it, it goes back, and it also comes up in height just a little bit. And your the top of your head nods forward a little bit, and so you your neck gets longer behind you, and your eyes lift away from the horizon just a little bit. And so it changes the curve that are in the arteries in that section. It changes the curve of your spine, both upper thoracic and the cervical spine. In dynamic aging, I talk about swallowing, you know, that it's changing the orientation of your swallowing tubes, right? When you induce a curve in them by having your your head way out in front of you versus way back. And it's funny, in Alignment Matters, I talked about that in dynamic aging, and I had this really technical drawing of like, here's, you know, the the process of food through your through your throat, through your mouth and through your throat. In Alignment Matters, I took a picture of a bendy straw next to <laughs> a non-bendy straw. Like that was my diagram to say, 
look, your straw can go up and down or it can bend and curve. And which one is hard, like which one changes the forces required for things to move through it? Like, like that's yeah. where I was. And I, I still love those diagrams. I still do that all the time for my kids. I still do that all the time when I'm speaking live is just grab the nearest thing that makes me think about this because you can get like, oh, I get that having to go around a curve would be harder, but it's so yeah. much easier to see it in some sort of a physical example. But anyway, so that's an, that's an alignment matters thing. It's a, it's a particular a, adjustment. But in movement matters, we're talking about swallowing and chewing and, and the need and the need uh, to really masticate. And also the idea that mastication is not just to exercise your jaw, but it's, you know, driving blood flow up into your, to your brain. And that, or if it's breastfeeding as a, as a child, that you're working on developing these structures, the future structures of your throat and your mm. palate. And so there's not particular, like in, in one hand, chew, chewing, and, um, you know, selecting less processed, less mechanically processed foods would be kind of the exercise that you would take away. It's just a behavior you're going to eat anyway. So just swapping, you know, beef jerky or a dehydrated mango for whatever else you were eating that didn't require very much manual processing. And that's going to change or affect the alignment, the use of that area of your body. Also, head ramping can do that too, but in a completely mm. different way. And then if you marry both of them, you'll find that maybe like you're chewing beef jerky and if you only got the chew message from the kind of larger activities, but you're not pairing it with the head ramping activity, then you might find swallowing more difficult than if you did pair it together. So the correctives are different. The, the, the movements that you're trying to incorporate in your life are different. Chewing is just a behavior that you're going to do anyway that you're modifying how you do it. Head ramping is a distinct corrective exercise that you're doing, but they really do well together. When you start pairing the larger behavioral changes with these slight physical adjustments, the adaptations are different as well as the actual experience of either one. You know, ramping your head while you're swallowing is different than just ramping your head while you're not, right? You're, you're actually putting right. a, a physiological process through that new shape. So anyway, that's kind of one. The other one is just for our our certification, our graduates came and, you know, we do a lot of different classes while they're here, a lot of different classes on squatting and hip opening and where they're practicing these very subtle ranges of motion shifting from one to the other to make sure that their body, like it's one thing to be able to sit in a V sit and then stand up and then get down in a squat and then get up and then sit cross-legged, how well you shift between them without really having to over displace your body. That's, that's the next level of skill I decided that, you know, they had done so much technical alignment exercise in inside on rubber floors, on rubber mats, you know, in in artificial light with all facing the same direction and not really interacting. Right. Like this very, very laboratory style approach to movement. It's not to me, it's not that different than if you look. You know, if you ever work in in research labs, like where animals are all kind of parsed into their own space, it's very much like that. It's like you came here to work on this by yourself. Yes, you're in a collective, but it's all about you and what you're doing. And so there's that's a particular vibe and it's necessary. Often, like if you're trying to gather data about yourself, you need to be able to 
observe yourself. And that's why we stand on our own mat in our own space. And no one's a foot is allowed to come on your yoga mat because that would be totally awkward. This is yours. Yeah. I decided like to, but that's, that's our normal exercise experience. Like that, that is our, that is how we see movement. I decided to take them out and to do two hours of weeding on a farm in a movement matters style, which was you guys were just going to sit and play with moving your hips and your knees and doing these things for, you know, for 90 minutes, you were going to do that. What if we did that? And you also were barefoot in the dirt. If you wanted to be, you were in the sunshine, you were weeding, meaning actually, actually loading many more parts to that squat. Like you, you are putting it a little bit more in situ, right? It was in vivo before. And now you're in situ. Now your body is in a situation where that in vivo experiment, how does it hold up in an in situ? Oh, do you, do you have an easier time in dirt? Like most people will find that they're able to squat on natural terrain much more easily than they can when they're in the lab. Yeah. And, and, and I think that both are really necessary because we, there's some, we're not hyper observers and, and what alignment those correctives that time, which I love still is about, it's about, it's about getting a little Diane Fossey on yourself. And it can be challenging <laughs> yeah. for some people. Some people come to do the class and they don't want to observe. And it's like, this is a class in observation. Yeah. You observing yourself moving. It's not just a movement class. It's a, cl- it's a class in observation. That's the skill that we're trying to teach you here. So it was fun. And it was more, it ended up being, I would say, more satisfying. Kind of like if someone gave you a handful of a, a few ingredients just kind of on a plate yeah versus them blending them all together and adding some oils and like other amazing things like so one was like this really beautiful meal and the other one was an uh, perhaps equally it wasn't equally nutritious because there are there are other inputs that are happening out there that weren't happening in there but also i mean an, an adequately nutritious meal mm. but the experience between eating them was different and the land that we were on, the receivers of all of that work, those people were influenced by our squat class, where before yeah. they would have been untouched by our squat class. Our, we actually converted squats and lunges and all the movements that we were going to do in class. We converted them into work for a community, for other people. So it was not only more nutritious for us, it was more nutritious for others, not in our movement class and every single person who comes to that farm will benefit from that bout of labor. So you end up influencing other people more through the mode of exercise that you choose to take. So that's, that's how we went alignment matters to movement matters in a day. Amazing. Some meaningful squats and lunges. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they're all meaningful because I think, I think that there, it, it is not my intention to, devalue that laboratory in like Mm. like if you had a if you had a if you have food i'm trying to think of like a good example like if you make fresh applesauce yeah versus you've got you know some kind of older process that's maybe stabilized with other things applesauce they are both applesauce on a certain level and they can both nourish you they just don't nourish you equally and i think that for so many people it to go to eating applesauce would be huge versus eating whatever less nutritious thing. Like to make that, like I'm going to start eating, you know, my healthy applesauce every day. That's a huge positive conversion. It's just that 
if you only got the mots and you're looking yeah. at the mots and you're thinking that this is your soul portal, there are other, there are, there's even more to be gathered from non mots applesauce, right? And it's, and that someone could just give you a jar or someone could give you a bowl of that fresh one. That would be great, right? That would be. Yep arguably a little bit more nutritious. Then you go to the next step of making it yourself where you get not only get the end bowl, but you got all the movement of actually making it. So it's just, a, it's a continuum. They're mm. all, they're all meaningful to you. But if you're going to talk about a science of something, you don't, you don't necessarily want the scientists of that doing as Nietzsche said, and stop thinking about it when it's uncomfortable for them. Although it's hard because we're humans and we do that, but you, you want, your models to continuously be developed and understood more robustly that it makes people uncomfortable is a fact, but it doesn't really influence that. That is the trajectory of how you gather, you know, the information. So that's just, that's just what I'm doing. I don't really have any judgment of how you want to do it. But for me teaching movement, I thought how great to teach a, to teach an expanded version, right? Like if I'm facilitating movement experiences, let me facilitate this other one over here. And then now you've had an experience in the context of a class. And we're going to go so much deeper on movement matters a little later in the series. Cool. We'll have a, we'll have a couple more, couple more opportunities to, to go deep on that book for sure. And the next time we're together, I want to talk about move your DNA, your best-selling book. Also your most recent in that Mm -hmm. it's been, issued in a revised edition expanded expanded edition with a hot new cover (laughs) available now through all the usual channels i want to note especially since this is a podcast including on audible yeah so you can you can take it for a walk and listen and you can also at audible uh, find and download this really gorgeous companion pdf that includes all the exercises and the illustrations as a as a way to kind of further bring that uh that audiobook read by you katie bowman to life Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For now, though, I think that's it for us today. That sounds good. That was a good place to end. Yeah. Right? Pretty good. Okay. We'll leave it there. That's Between the Lines on the Katie Says Podcast. I'm Stephanie Domet. You can find Katie Bowman, of course, at nutritiousmovement.com. You can browse her books and videos there, find yourself some downloadable alignment snacks, and sign up for Katie's Pack to the Rafters with Goodness newsletter, which is how you can keep in touch during her social media break this summer. I'm Stephanie Domet. Katie, thanks for this. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a great discussion. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such. <laughs>